Hi, I'm Andy Mollison, and this is SEO in 2024, Additional Insights. Andy, what's your additional insight for SEO in 2024? I think it's really just to keep your optimization simple, not overcomplicate your strategy, and really just make sure you're hitting the basics in what is a very complicated SEO world at the moment. So why do you think SEOs don't do that? Is it because it's just a little bit boring, not as exciting as using newfangled tools? I think literally that. I think in SEO, we're suckers for new technology, new insights, new developments. Everything is new and shiny and we've got to try it out. But you sometimes forget the basics of literally, does my page have that keyword on it? Am I internally linking correctly? Is my metadata optimized? And you can skip that part quite easily by being distracted by those kind of tools. So... So you you talk about a few basics there. Have the basics changed much over the last few years? Ah, no, it's a short answer. I think I've been in SEO for close on 15, 20 years now, and really nothing has changed in that regard. So the basics are still the ones that move the needle the best. And by basics, I mean things like keywords in your meta titles, keywords on the in content, internal linking being correct and valid, site structure being correct and valid. And I don't think that will change that much, even with, you know, AI being a thing. Ultimately, those things are still the drivers of what is this page about? What is it about? What is it relevant towards? Um, and I don't think that will really change that much. But obviously, um, maybe the format of the, the page title and perhaps the, the length of the meta description just changes slightly depending on what Google decide to list or what, what they're looking for. We're also seeing Google every so often maybe displaying what they want to display from the content of the, of the page as, yeah. opposed to, uh, as opposed to using the, the meta description from, from your meta section. So is there still as much need for a handwritten meta description or is this something that can be automated? I think there still is a need for it. Ultimately, you can't totally control when Google's going to use its own discretion and, and come back with its own ideas. But if nine times out of 10, it's going to be using a meta description that you know is uh, going to generate better click-through rate or generate attention or grab attention in, in a search result, it's it's worth it. But yeah, you can also just test and retest and go, okay, well, of that one page that is being tweaked, why is that? Can we try a different description, see if that makes it stop doing that? Or actually, is it okay? Um, are you wasting your time and going, actually, you know, well, actually, it's okay. Google's decided that's fine. The click-through rate for that page is just as efficient as everything else and we'll leave it and go on to bigger and better things. And I think that's another point I was making really is about efficiencies with your workflow is, is it okay? Are you better off going on finding bigger and better things and just going, you know what, that's fine. Everyone else is seeing the same thing as well and let's just leave it. And also in ter- terms of meta descriptions, do you have any uh, preferences in terms of uh, the, the style of phrases that you um, happen to, to have in there to encourage maybe a click through? And is there any minimum or maximum character account, for instance, that you actually recommend as well? I think with the meta description in particular, uh, you can actually use some of the paid ad tactics when you're creating meta descriptions. So use a metadata testing tool to see what your meta description is going to look like in a search result. Think about it, the fact that you've got two lines to play with. Well, can you make that be more readable by making it be that line one is your attention grabbing statement and line two is your USP or selling point? You can quite easily do that so long as you cater for your character count in a way that means that you naturally make that second uh, sentence drop onto that second line. And there's lots of good testing tools. For example, we at Reflect Digital, we've got a testing tool. So just have a search for it. And it's a good way of just testing what your appearance is going to look like before it actually gets indexed. 
And in terms of testing, do you ever do any split testing on meta descriptions? Um, for instance, maybe do one category on your site, um, something different, and then um, see if that has a, uh, a noticeable or measurable uh, difference in terms of click-through rate. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, we do that as well. But also uh, we do split testing with using behavioral as part of our messaging as well. So if you're thinking about how can using different messaging, it might just be that actually it's not just a case of split testing on totally different meta descriptions, but what about using different phrases, different terminology, what makes somebody wants to click through to it. So yeah, definitely it's a pace of doing A-B testing as well, but it needs to be scalable, you know, not just on one page to one page because you've got a lot of influence there. But if you've got, for example, um, a site that sells a lot of different products, maybe thousands of pages. Well, yeah, can you put 500 pages with one one type and another 500 with another type? You get a much better data sample and a much better analysis rather than doing uh, one versus one, I think. Great. And in terms of title, are you a fan of using the brand name in all titles at the end of all titles, or is that something that you only include in the, in the homepage title? Yeah, it's an interesting one nowadays. Google's doing a lot more to just actually show you what site it is that this thing is from now anyway, by showing maybe the logo and the results and actually the brand name above the listing as well. So I think all the while that that's happening, I think the need for having your brand name in a meta title is probably a little bit unnecessary at the moment. You could use the extra carrot account in your favor to go, okay, well, what key, what other keywords can I include in there? Or... Actually, if I'm very well keyword optimized, what else can I put in my meta titles? Can I put in a selling point? Like maybe we offer free delivery or a free trial or something. Can you start putting messages into your meta titles as well, rather than using your brand name? As of everything, it depends on what Google's doing. And if they change their guidelines or change the way they display those search results, maybe you want your brand name back again. And you also say that a good strategy doesn't have to be complicated. So what's incorporated in a good SEO strategy in 2024? I think ultimately just sticking to the basics. There's a lot of value in what can I do that's going to be easy to implement or my client makes easy for my client to implement that actually is going to have a high impact. And I wouldn't want to be moving away from any of those type of tasks until I've done all of them. So once I've completed all of those easy to achieve, medium to high level of impact tasks, only then would I move on to page specific optimization or I don't know, backlink building or internal linking analysis, something like, you know, a bit more, a bit more structured, a bit more um, complicated, which just really goes back to my point of keeping SEO simple. You know, the basics that worked 10, 15 years ago still do work today. And if you haven't applied those, don't go and make your life more complicated. Tick the boxes first and then go and have a look at the detail afterwards. So how do you determine if the level of impact is likely to be high? I think there's a few key indicators in terms of, for example, uh, meta titles are one where I'd go, well, is this page short on a meta title? Does it have the keywording in place? One particular case study we had was a client where they hadn't optimized meta titles. And it was a, a very clear opportunity to do that. And by making that change of creating keyworded, templated meta titles across their whole site, it was a very simple change, a five minute job to a template that they had. But it meant that every single page, every single product, every single category now had it had keywording in the meta titles, for example. And year on year, that change made sixty-two million pounds, which is mad from something that's a five-minute job to do. And I think that would that kind of optimization would have been missed if you went down a route of trying to do things in a more detailed manner. And that's not pounds of weight for our American friends. <laughs> Correct. That's a yeah, yeah GBB. 
<laughs> and you also mentioned internal linking uh, towards the beginning of the episode. So do you have any preferred internal linking strategies, tactics, structures? Yeah, definitely. I think the first and foremost one is to look for ways you can do internal linking across your whole site. So let's say you've got a key page. Well, first and foremost, is it in the navigation? Is it in the footer? That should be a, a given. But if it's beyond that, how else can I improve internal linking to that page? Is it by adding things like breadcrumbs or is there a, a widget that exists on lots of pages where you can add a link to it? Or even just doing fairly basics of uh, searching for content on your site where you mention the words that are related to that page, getting links in content to that page with that resulting keyword. It happens time and time again that sites have a lot of good content but haven't thought about that internal linking structure. Um, and if you compare your site to something like Wikipedia, for example, can you apply the same sort of internal linking structure that they do by every time, well, not every time, but the first time you mention that topic or that page or that keyword, well, do you have a page for it? Can you link to it? And applying that kind of logic across your whole site is something that we see that scales really, really well. And talking about, talking about scaling, if you do oversee a site with tens of thousands of pages on it, is it a quick win to automate internal link building just to identify where certain keyword phrases occur and automate those links? Or can that be a little bit um, dicey in terms of um, usability and perhaps not selecting the the right places for, for those links, to, links yeah. to occur? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Is If you were to apply automation to your internal linking, it can be a quick win. Like you can get a, a lot of traction there with that. But ultimately, is that right for your users? Because obviously sometimes, I think it depends on the keyword um, as well. If you're internal linking for a very broad match keyword, you might find that that word or that phrase comes up in places where you didn't expect it to or where it doesn't quite make sense contextually. And I think internal linking needs to be valid to your users as much as it is to a search engine. So does it make sense for there to be a link there is another thing. I think in terms of scaling it, I would probably look at how you can apply internal linking site-wide and then maybe come back with a human element of does it make sense on this page does it make sense on that page at least then you're getting the links in place whereas if you went down a more of a human element route to start with you might find that your progress in terms of actually getting internal links on the site would be quite slow so a bit of a balancing act i think but if you're automating it, then ideally you'd be identifying maybe a certain page type and a, a certain section within that page in which to, to, to automate the link building. Exactly that, yeah. I think if you can, the more data you've got it in hand, then the more you can automate that process without having to go back and um, effectively troubleshoot your errors, I suppose. So yeah, the more data you can have, the better, whether it's internally linking to a particular, from a particular category or a particular section of the site, then for sure, you're, you know, you're going to be in safer ground there. Good. Okay. So you're obviously focusing on the SEO basics. You're a little bit concerned about um, too many complicated tricks and tools being used. Are there any examples of complicated tricks or tools that you'd like to emphasize as uh, something that SEOs probably shouldn't be focusing on at the moment? I think AI and ChatGPT is for sure one where there's, uh, for good reason, a lot of excitement around those particular tools. And they can be very powerful and very strong in terms of providing you with more efficient workflows and giving you ideas of content generation and so on and so forth. But there's also a lot of people demonstrating uh, getting direct results from AI content, for example. And it's not always the way. Um, I think Google's very much on top of expertise, authority and trust these days. All of their algorithm updates recently have been around trust, helpful content updates and so on and so forth. 
and it can be very exciting to get to get into oh this uh chat gpt is quite good it can generate this content on the fly it can save me my uh content production time but actually does it demonstrate the expertise the authority the trust that google's looking for and if the answer to you is maybe then it's probably not good enough so for me ai is definitely something that's coming and it's becoming better and better and better over time but it's quite easy to use your time unwisely by getting stuck into these tools and you might have better things to do than uh, <laughs> than testing out these kind of tools for example so talking about tools, is there any tool that you can use to actually automate maybe the crawling of a web website um, to identify where you're doing or how you're doing in terms of experience, um, expertise, authoritativeness and trust? Um, is there some kind of score that you can get to identify what you can do to improve these things? Um, I don't think there's necessarily a score as such, but there's certainly sort of a checklist of things that you could have in place depending on the the page or the type of content that you're producing. So, for example, if you're a publisher, then do you have you know your valid author pages existing so do you do you demonstrate that it's written by so and so um who also writes for various other publications so have you got things like your schema data in place for that author to to show show where else this person publishes content on that they are a relevant factual experienced author um obviously things like published date when was it last modified how can you demonstrate trust on that page? I think is a difficult thing to give a score for because it really varies depending on topic by topic. So for example, if you're giving a review of a uh, latest iPhone, your credentials might be very different to somebody reviewing a car, for example, and maybe the things that you would want to be demonstrating as part of your uh, review process for that product might be very different and depend by niche and by competitor as well. I think it really depends. But I think there's definitely a checklist you can put in place. I mean, you could also look at, for example, e-commerce websites. That would be a very different thing altogether. Uh, your trust factors there might not be about authorship. It might be about uh, review count for your website. Do you demonstrate things like an active phone number, um, an address, proper contact details, and so on and so forth? So I think trust is a it really depends on the market um, as to what's most relevant for the uh, industry. Understood. Okay. But in terms of identifying the pages that have the biggest opportunities, it's just simply um, looking at the pages that perhaps are ranking second page in the SERP um, that, that maybe have a good traffic driving opportunity if you did actually get it onto the first page and then seeing what you can do to optimise that for it? Uh, yeah, I think to an extent, there's always opportunities with those yeah, when you've got keywords on the second page or towards the bottom of the first page, some of those things might be trust. It also could be simple things like metadata, content, internal linking, new basics. But I think it's important in any industry, just keep on keep on top of what your competitors are doing. Google is driving towards expertise, authority, trust, helpful content, etc., all the time. So what can you be doing to demonstrate your authoritativeness? Is that putting together user guides, helpful guides, videos, just displaying your contact details better, displaying your reviews better? What can you be doing that give, gives you a leg up on your competition? Because ultimately, Google's moving more in favor of that. The more you can do, the better. And if you can apply something that means that you're improving your trustworthiness across your entire site, like not just on that one product, but across all your product templates or your category templates or your blog article templates, then you're going to see a gain across the whole site. So I think it's a case of really uh, keeping on top of the comp competition and staying ahead as well. And in terms of staying ahead, um, obviously there are so many new tools, new tactics that you 
could potentially be trying. How do you know who to listen to and, and what to listen to and what, what you should be doing versus what you should be scrubbing and just, just ignoring? I think there's, uh, it's the easiest way really just to, to do some Google searches yourself, see what comes up. There's a lot of tools out there that will aggregate data and give you an idea of roughly who's competitive in your market. So for example, a SEMrush competitor tool or Ahrefs competitor tool, very good for giving that idea of who's in your market and who's doing well. But sometimes just getting down and dirty, just searching the terms that you're trying to compete with, what content displays there, why? Um, what are they doing differently to you? What, what do they answer that you don't? Sometimes the simplest way is simply just to look at that and analyze of out of those 10 listings on that first result, why is that there? Why aren't we there? What are we doing differently? That means, well, what are we not doing rather to mean to be displayed on that first page? Great. Okay. Well, you've shared what SEO should be doing in 2024. So let's talk just briefly about um, what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEO shouldn't be doing in 2024? Uh, I think we touched on a little bit already, but I think it's really, for me, would be getting stuck into AI content too much at the moment. Been trying a little bit at the moment in terms of trying to get AI content and scalability in place for some particular clients where maybe there's hundreds of category pages that need content or thousands of category pages that need content. Then suddenly the thoughts of going down the route of getting AI to write all that uh, category copy for you can be really very enticing. But you'll often find there's limitations there where it's using the same sort of terminology, the same descriptions, same adjectives and so on and same sort of structure. I would be very wary of that as an SEO um, in terms of if that content is clearly very similar in structure over and over and over and easy to replicate from my competitors as well, what's the benefit for my site, my users, and is it easy to detect? Because ultimately, if it's obvious to me that it's um, AI produced content, Google's going to know the same thing. And at that point, yeah, like I say, really, if your competitor can literally do exactly the same job as you, then you're not doing anything better than they are doing. So um, for me, it's a case of if you're going to use AI content, use it properly. What prompts can you do? Make put in place to make sure that you, the content you produce is unique. And if you're going to scale it across hundreds of categories or pages or whatever you're looking to do, how can you make sure that your prompts are varied enough? That means that your uh, content is different enough across different pages as well. But at the moment, it's just a little bit not quite there yet for me is the AI content generation. It's exciting and people I'm sure are spending a lot of time digging into it, but that a lot, lot of time digging into it could be yeah, being better used in terms of, like we're saying, talking about demonstrating your trust better on your website. What can you do to actually help your end users? And I don't think AI content is necessarily the way to, to do that just yet. Andy Mollison is head of SEO at Reflect Digital. You can find him over at reflectdigital.co.uk. Andy, thanks so much for adding your additional insight to SEO in 2024. Uh, thanks, David. I've been your host, David Bain. You've been listening to an episode of SEO in 2024, Additional Insights, a majestic series that complements the original SEO in 2024 podcast, video series, and book. Find out more at seoin2024.com. Hold up. 